cash flow. Item 19, digital marketing, estate planning. If those terms cause you to pause even for a second, this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser. We cover a new topic each week, clearly and concisely. Business insights not piled on you like you are a buffet plate, but each topic broken down and easy to digest. Welcome to Small Bites of Business Insights. Hello, this is Kathy, and I'm here with my good friend from Profit Soup, Barb Nuss. Welcome to Talking Financials, Small Bites of Business Insights. Today, we're going to talk about financial statements. And the first thing that comes to most people's minds is the income statement, which you've also heard is called the profit and loss or the P&L. There are sales on the top line, profit on the bottom, and expenses in between. But there are so many more insights to gain from numbers in between, and Barb is here to help us with that. So Barb, can you start with sharing what you're looking for when you look at an income statement? Of course. You know, we always want to know what our sales are and our profits are. Um, That's a no-brainer. The top line and the bottom line, people refer to those terms all the time, but it's equally important to see how efficiently we generate the profit from sales. And I want my income statement organized in a way that I can quickly gain insights about those efficiencies. How efficiently am I managing those major functions of my business? All right. So tell us about those functions. Okay. Well, first, I want to understand how efficiently I produce whatever product or service it is that that we sell. So gross profit margin measures this. And so for every dollar I have in sales, how much is left after I pay for all the costs to produce or acquire the goods or services that my customers buy from me? Like that is like the first place you want to stop. Efficiency of our cost of goods sold, or you know, for some industries, we might call it cost of sales, cost of services, or direct costs. It's one of the most important insights that we can gain from the income statement. Because what you give away at that level is almost impossible to recover by being efficient in other areas of the business. Mm -hmm. Okay, so next I want to understand the customer acquisition function. That is how efficiently I sell. If you've ever listened to Shark Tank, you know, Mark Cuban, the first thing he says is, what does it cost you to get a new customer? Every business needs to understand that. And so we take our selling costs and we bundle them up together so we know what it costs to sell. So those selling costs are different. People say cost of sales. Well, that might be the cost of goods sold. Selling costs are different from cost of sales. Think about the word, the words here. Cost of goods sold is the cost of the thing we sell. Selling costs is the process of selling it. So those are things like advertising, sales salaries, commissions, promotions, maybe designing your website. If you have a loyalty program, the costs of that, or really anything related to the process of selling. And with all selling expenses, if we organize them into a section of their own, then we can easily determine what it costs to acquire a new customer. We just take all those expenses divided by the number of customers we got, and we know what our cost to drive a new customer was. That's just such an important function to manage. I like to see those things in their own section. Oh, gosh, that makes sense. So you have the cost of goods sold and the customer acquisition cost as being two distinct pieces that you want to assess quickly when you look at your P&L. So what are some other areas that you want to evaluate? 
So for some industries like maybe construction or manufacturing, vehicles and equipment is a big deal, right? So I put all the equipment costs into one section. And from this, I can see how efficiently I manage the cost of owning and maintaining the fleet, the fuel, the repairs and maintenance. So how I use my fleet of vehicles and equipment is important because they're a big part of the business. So I'd want them in their own separate section. So typically occupancy is another section. We want to see what it costs to rent and maintain the facility, which might include the utilities and the common area maintenance and any repairs or things that you need to do to the premises. And then lastly, I would separate those out from the cost of actually administering the business. Things like your admin payroll, professional services, the office expenses and subscriptions and all that. So I want my income statement organized in sections so I can track the cost of these major functions. And that's way better than the alternative in which I would have one long list of, say, 50 or so expenses in alphabetical order. I couldn't easily see how efficiently those areas are functioning. Okay, that makes sense. But I noticed, and I, when I think about my days of running P&Ls for KFC restaurants, I noticed you didn't say you have a section for labor or payroll cost. Why not? Okay, good catch. <laughs> so clearly payroll is one of the biggest expenses for many companies. And the way that I just outlined that, you might have payroll in several sections. Yeah. So take an example of the construction company. Uh, they might have crews that build or install the product and they're in direct labor in the cost of sales or cost of goods sold section. They might also have salespeople that maybe get a base pay and commission, and both of those things are in the selling expenses. And they might even have mechanics that work on the fleet, and those might go into the equipment costs because um, you know some people are going to hire mechanics to do it. Some people are going to pay mechanics to do it. You want to have kind of an apples and oranges, like what did it really cost to take care of the equipment? So you know, managers and supervisors that kind of cross departments become the hard thing. Mm. And we put those into the administration expenses. Now, I know that lots of companies just have a payroll cost section and I get it. That's okay. Um, I would just say, if you're going to take that approach, you still want to separate the lines for those individual functions so that you can always find the information. So under the payroll section, First of all, the crews, the direct labor needs to go to the cost sales section. Forget that one. But everybody else in the payroll section could have sales salaries, sales commissions, mechanics, warehouse people, administration, supervisors. All those things that I talked about were important to know what they cost. I'm all right with putting them in a payroll section, but I want to know what their portion of it costs because it's really hard to tear that payroll number apart later if you haven't tracked it that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can definitely see that. So, you know, Barb, income statements that you see in the real world can be quite different than the textbook version. And so people don't always have their information organized in the most effective way. How about some tips on how to make the income statement more insightful and easy to use? Okay. First, Get your head around what matters. Mm -hmm. We want to track the things that matter the most. 
So I like to organize the function that, you know, the, the whole thing, the expenses into those functional areas, like I just described. Mm-hmm. And your chart of accounts establishes the structure of your PL and what you're going to track, what details, like the payroll details I gave you those examples of, that's going to be defined in that chart of accounts. So, so like tip number one is to start out with the right chart of accounts for your industry. Mm-hmm. It, that means it allows you to track the things that are important to manage a business like yours. So the chart of accounts defines all the sales categories because sales isn't necessarily just one number. There may be 10 departments of sales that would be defined there. And then it also has all the expense categories and the order that they're going to appear uh, in that chart, right? And And then we pull from that to make the financial statements. So I want things to appear in an order that makes it easy to see how efficiently we manage the crucial functions of the business. And that's why I like that, those functional categories as like mm-hmm. subtotals. You still have the details in between, but they add up to the, the total of what it costs to sell or to take care of equipment or to add to administer the business. So here's a common problem that I always see when people start out with a wrong setup. They choose something like out of a, some standard accounting package mm-hmm. and maybe they think, oh, well, out. They're thinking, oh, the accounting people know how things do. I'll just pick the one for a service business or whatever. They give you those options. And they're not thinking about how am I going to use this information to make future business decisions. They're thinking about how do I do bookkeeping? Because I've never done that before, right? So my pet peeve is when they take those in, a lot of those income statements have everything in alphabetical order. So it, it has, you know advertising. And the next thing you might see might be commissions. And the Mm -hmm. next thing you might see is depreciation and then dues. And so now you've got things in this weird order. So it's really easy to create. And I see that all the time. It's just, it's not easy to glean that essential information you need. Because if you want to now know what your customer acquisition costs are, you might have to search all over the place. Yeah. You know, you got to go to A for advertising, you got to go to C for commissions, you got to go to S for sales salaries, you got to go to P for promotions and T for trade shows. You got to pick all those things and all those different people, places, and you get out your calculator and you add them all up. And I got to tell you, you're not going to do it. You're just going to look at the top line and the bottom line and put the thing away. So that's why, you know, I I hate to see alphabetized statements because they don't. And, they don't make sense. And people aren't going to remember the categories where they might remember the bucket of, cat- of, of expenses. They're not going to remember that T is for trade shows. <laughs> right. And it goes in selling expenses, right? And exactly. so one month you might pick all those through and spend an extra 10 minutes trying to come up with that number, but 10 minutes, which by the way, you do not have. Exactly. If you have that 10 minutes, you should be spending it somewhere else on your business. Um, and so they're going to spend that time and this month, they might pick out five of those things and me- next month, they only remembered three of them. And they think there's a change when there's no change. You just pick the wrong ones. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, but doesn't your CPA, won't they know the best way to set up the books? They certainly do, but many businesses don't even business people. They don't even go to their CPA until the end of the first year. And by that time, they've already set stuff up and they're saying, Hey, I just need my tax return done. So, you know, a CPA that goes, okay, all I need to do is get a tax return done. They're going to keep records in the way that facilitates a tax return, which may not be the way that facilitates good business decision-making. 
So it is essential to get the entire team of professional advisors that you're going to be using to guide your success, get them together from day one, including your CPA, and then let her know that you want to regularly analyze how well you manage the business. You want your books to support management decision-making not just her work on the tax return. And look, I'm a CPA and I have plenty of clients come to me. They don't want to spend any money talking to me. They want to get their tax return done. So I'm not going to go, oh, let's restructure everything and do it differently. They're going to go, you just want to charge me money. So we just get to, we just get the tax return done as efficiently as possible. If somebody doesn't say to me, I really care about using financial data to make better decisions. And therefore, I want it set up so that I can quickly glean the important information I need when I glance down at my monthly statement. If I'm a CPA, I'm jumping for joy. You mean you're going to look at it every month? Because that's what we need to do. True, true. So all that makes such good sense. So you group the expenses together so you can quickly spot the important numbers that you want to work on and keep them together in sections that measure the crucial functions of your business. So how important is it for the income statement to show this year's numbers compared to last year? Okay. I like the way you're thinking, Kathy. We talked about how we organized the rows. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the sales and the expenses, all those things. Um, we haven't talked about the columns yet. So let's talk about how we can use those different columns on the income statement to give us more perspective. So you could have one column for September of this year and lay that side by side to September of last year. And that would give you some insights that you wouldn't have if you just looked at one month, right? And you might choose that you'd rather see January through September, like year, and we call that year to date of Mm -hmm. this year compared to last year. So you have to think about what it is you want to learn, right? What it is, what perspectives do you need to make good decisions? And there are tons of options on how we use those columns on the income statement. And the choices that we make for those depends on what we're trying to understand. Okay. So what we just described might help us understand year over year trends. And if we want to understand seasonality, you know, some businesses have a really big peak in season. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what you're trying to understand, like, okay, how is this month toward this whole greater good of a year? Is it a big month? It, should it be a big month? Should it be a low month? What would I expect based on my seasonal demands? And to understand seasonality, we might prefer to have like a 13 column report where one of them is January, February, March, April, May, you know, all the way through. And then we can like see how it changes month to month. And most people would look at that and they'd scream and say, my head hurts. I can't do it because there's too many numbers on the page, but it's a great source of information to pull a chart now. Right. So now take, make a line chart. One line has sales on it and you see the peaks and the valleys. And then the next line has cost of goods sold which should follow those peaks and the valleys. And maybe the next line is selling costs, which might have a total different Mm -hmm. pattern. So I could take those functional categories using that 12 month version and make a picture out of it. Mm -hmm. And I can glean and then profit is on it. And you can see that number is above or below zero, right? Yeah. And I I can glean then that 
knowledge I need with a quick glance, that's your goal for financial reporting to get the information you need as quickly as possible. Pictures really help. Ah, got it, Barb. Got it. So what about budgets? Um, I know it's sometimes common to compare your actual results to what you budgeted. Yeah, that makes sense. And most accounting systems allow you to put your monthly budget figures into the system so you can like push a button and run a report that says my budget compared to my actual. And you might do that for my same, same thing applies, right? Budget this month compared to actual this month. I I might want my year-to-date actual compared to my year-to-date budget, right? So you'd have to make those choices about how you want to, how you want to look at those. But that's an essential bit of information because the budget's your plan. Mm -hmm. So comparing the budget says, am I on track with my plans? And if not, then what do I need to do about it? And, and, and it, to me, that's one of the first questions I ask. Tell me about your budgeting process. Oh, we do one sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, what do you do with it after you've done it? We compare to actual results every month and we meet with our team and we say, why didn't we hit it? What can we do differently? How do we get back on track? And that's how, that's how you separate the people who really make the most out of a business from someone that shows up and hopes everything will be right. Oh, yeah, that's not a great strategy. So that sounds great. But it really, Barb, there are tons of options. So you could actually end up with several income statements to review every month, right? You absolutely can. That is so true. And you probably will. And the key is to establish whatever that combination of P&L reports is that gives you the information that you need so that you can say, am I efficiently producing sales and managing expenses? And am I on track with my goals, right? Mm -hmm. That's the budget. And one more thing we didn't mention is that each, wherever I see a column of numbers, whether it's for a month, a year, or the budget or actual, it should have a column with percentages next to it. Okay. That's that percent of sales column. Total asset or total sales is my 100% number all the time. And when I look at that percent column, I can see how much I'm spending. You put that thing into words. If sales is 100% for every dollar, 100% for every sales dollar that I have, how much am I spending on my customer acquisition costs or on my fleet management or cost of goods sold. So you want that percent of sales column there so you can see if you're efficient, right? Because as the dollars change, we don't know, are costs going up faster than sales? Am I getting more efficient or less unless we look at the percentages? Mm-hmm. So, so I just say, hey, the percent of sales column is your friend, right? And a typical way that somebody might organize their P&L would be to show this month uh, compared to our year to date. Okay. So September compared to January through September, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to take my fingers and run them down both percent columns. And I'm going to look and say, okay, for what's the difference between the percent of sales this month and the year to date. Now think about this. I'm running my fingers down and they're all looking pretty close, pretty close. They're Mm -hmm. the same percentage. And I get to one Example, let's say I get to fuel expense and this month it's 5% of sales and year to date is 2%. I'm going to go, ah, what happened to the fuel cost this month? So then I'm going to start asking questions. That's why we have financial statements for management decision making, not to give us answers, but to know where we should ask questions. So I'm going to poke around and I'm going to, I'm going to ask the question, why is my fuel so high? 
is it because we had some giant job that was far away? We had to travel more than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it because we were going outside of our typical territory? Is it that we had a new route scheduler for the maids that went to the houses and she moved them around and they spent more time behind windshields mm-hmm. than they did behind mops, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to cause the fuel costs to go up. Or, hey, maybe somebody backed their Winnebago up to the gas station and used the company fuel card, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to know those things. And, and the important thing is that you notice when something's haywire and start asking questions. And the percent of sales column helps you do that. And probably doing that every month is a grand idea to stay you, on top of it. Yeah. If you wait to the end of the year, it's too late. Correct. You can't adjust. Oh, gosh, Barb, these are such terrific tips. So thank you for making the time spent reviewing the P&L so insightful. And thanks for talking income statements with me today. My pleasure, Kathy. Thank you to our partner in the financial section of Small Bites of Business Insights, Ms. Barbara Ness. Barbara is the owner of Profit Soup, which is a company that will provide you with training and support for all your financial needs in franchising. Small Bites of Business Insights is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. If you have a question or comment for us, just send us an email at feedback at smallbitesofbusinessinsights.com.